Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zonlo and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories. All to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Maine Golf Talk. Zach and I are joined by Joe O today. I'm going to call him TPI Joe. All right. So he's going to be uh, talking about some TPI stuff and what you guys can do this winter to stay uh, stay in the game, stay loose, and maybe add some distance in the offseason. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? Guys, thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty well. Just trying to stay warm like I'm sure the both of you are. <laughs> Yeah, it's starting to creep down in temperature here. I'm, uh, I'm sensing a, a, a time for me to get away. <laughs> I was wondering when you're going to leave to uh, Arizona. <laughs> um, so, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into, I guess, TPI and physical therapy. Sure. Um, I'm Joe. I'm uh, originally from New Jersey, southern part, and the actual southern parts. Most people think that anything like just south of New York City is south, but I'm from like 30 minutes east of Philadelphia. Um, went to PT school, graduated in 2013. So I've been practicing almost seven years now. And um, I went to University of North Carolina, did an orthopedic residency, became board, certifi- board certified in orthopedics. And then uh, I met my now wife in North Carolina and we decided to move back. Uh, she moved back up to Maine. She's from Scarborough originally. And um, just because we didn't have any family uh, down in North Carolina. So here we are. And um, I wanted to start my business, Pure Drive Physio and Performance, uh, before we moved. And then the whole pandemic happened and everything, you know, has changed for the time being. And uh, I still decided to go forward with it. So here we are. I'm doing kind of a mix of in-person and online training. And I'm um, currently trying to figure out where I can work out of. I'm in talks with a couple of gyms in the, uh, I guess, Southern Maine area, just outside of Portland. And um, yeah, I've been just really into golf, started playing when I was in high school and um, was on and off through college and grad school. And basically it was just hard to find people to play with at that time because golf wasn't cool for uh, kids my age at that time to play like it is now. And, um, just always gravitated towards golf, just love the game, uh, and still just always trying to get better. So Joe, tell us a little bit about how you got into the whole, you know, you love golf. How did you decide, Hey, I want to focus on golf fitness and how did you decide on TPI and tell us a little bit about that experience, uh, going through the program. Yeah. So um, TPI, I mean, they've been around, I think since like the early two thousands when Greg Rose and, uh, Dave Phillips started Titleist performance Institute and they've pretty much grown it from the ground up and now it's huge. I mean, they're into tennis and baseball as well. Um, but they are the, I would say the gold standard of golf kind of, you know, medical fitness, even, um, golf they do some golf coaching um as well to help create an overall team 
And so everyone's on the same framework and language for the most part. So like if you guys were seeing uh, a golfer, you can use the same language that I would use and I would understand, you know, what you were saying and what I could do to help that golfer get into, you know, the right positions that you wanted them to. Um, for me, I just, one, like I said, I love golf and I love helping people stay healthy and fit. That's just kind of what I enjoy doing. And I figured why not marry the two? I know that a lot of golfers get injured because it's such a repetitive sport and golfers are glutton for punishment when, uh, things aren't going their way. They just decide to keep practicing more and more and more. And, um, it's, you know, all too often that people end up hurting themselves and then they can't enjoy the game that they love to play. And, um, the other aspect is I just love human performance. Like I love being able to get the most out of your body. And so I think we're seeing exactly that happen with Bryson right now, where he's just pushing himself as far as he possibly can to, you know, maximize his body and his golf game. And I think that is just something that I'm interested in helping people do because I just love it. And again, just combining that and golf together um, is what I like to do. And TPI was really awesome. I mean, uh, I did their level one, which was in person. And anyone who wants to, anyone who's involved in golf, you don't even have to be, you know, a swing coach or anything. I've, they've had people just go to courses just because they love golf and they just want to learn more about it. I think it's a great, it's a great time. It's a great two days. And then, um, all their level two are online and usually all their level three stuff is in person, but all that's on hold right now with everything. Yeah. I, I, I knew you're going to bring up Bryson at some point or we were at some point. Um, <laughs> So let's, before we jump into to him and what he's doing, what about, um, you know, building up speed and you kind of, you kind of mentioned that and how people are wanting to practice more and, and gain more speed. The issue is when you start just trying to get faster, you can really you can injure yourself pretty easily. Oh yeah. So talk us through a little bit of what you've learned through TPI and physical therapy that maybe people that want to add some speed this off season can kind of think about. Sure. Um, prior to just jumping into it and buying speed sticks and going yeah. all out. Yeah. I would say for the majority of golfers, especially amateurs, um, super speed and speed sticks would fall under the category of overspeed training, basically. And I would say a majority of amateur golfers do not need to be doing that right now. Um, I always like to say that they have to meet certain prerequisites before they can do that and work on speed training. Now there's a caveat. Will, will we still have them working on speed and doing different things? Of course, but doing like pure overspeed training, they probably don't need that. Cause like you said, they're going to have a higher risk for injury. I think the first thing that everyone needs to look for is do they have enough mobility in what I call these rotational centers, basically. So in the golf swing, you have parts that need to be more stable and parts that need to be mobile. Right. And so the four spots that people need to have the most mobility are the hips, mid back, shoulders, and neck. If you don't have the mobility there, that's the first place to start working on. And I would say most of the time in most people, it's usually the mid back and the hips that people lack the needed mobility for the golf swing. So if I'm sitting in an office chair eight hours a day, I should be good to go. Right. I mean, yeah, totally. No, not at all. In fact, that's probably one of the worst things to do, especially if you're not getting up and moving around throughout the day, you know, 
there's nothing that we can necessarily do per se about your job besides, you know, maybe get you a standing desk. But if you can move throughout the day, I think what is what really gets people in trouble is when they get up out of bed, they sit down, they have breakfast, then they sit in a car for, you know, 25 to 45 minutes, maybe wherever they're driving to, and they're in a really slouch posture. Then they go sit at a desk and they assume that same posture all day, drive home again. And then they, let's say they don't work out at all. Then they sit on the couch and do the same thing. That's what gets people in trouble. Um, but if you're active and moving around, then you're good for the most part, but you still need to actively work on your mobility, especially if you're lacking it. Um, and like I said, the, the two spots that most people lack typically are the mid back and the hips. Yeah. So I, you know, you see Phil Mickelson yesterday's uh, champion store post this video of him going like 180 miles an hour. What crazy things with the, the speed sticks. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's just his warm up. This is before he's even hitting balls. So, but he's gotten to a certain point when he can do that, you know, maybe right. 10 years ago when he was a little chubbier and at winged foot or something, he might not have been able to do that. So, you know, with, with the, um, the fitness regimen he's put in place and his 12 cups of coffee a day, he's in a much better position yeah. to swing those sticks all out. And, um, you know, I think that's a good point. You know, he's not sitting in a, a desk chair all day. So, no. And I think, you know, to, to go to that point, um, the, first of all, pros are like freaks of nature in terms of their body. They can get in all kinds of positions that just like the everyday person can't. Also, let's remember that it's their job to, to do these things and work on these things where they have the luxury to do this, where, you know, everyday folks don't. And you don't, you know, if you're working on mobility, it doesn't need to be hours upon hours upon hours of time spent, you know, focused mobility every day. I mean, just putting in 10 to 15 minutes at least once a day consistently over time, you will begin to make changes. You just have to be disciplined enough to, to do that every day and spend the time to do it. So, you know, let's say I have 15, 20 minutes, uh, to kind of get, you know, increase my mobility. And like you said, mm -hmm. hips and mid back, those are the two big keys. Like yep. what, what would I be looking at to do for exercise? I know we were on podcast, so you can't see us, but right. you know, let's explain it as best as you can. What, what should we be working on? Sure. So, um, again, most of these things we're looking at rotation here. So for the hips, um, mainly for the golfers that are most of the time limited, we're limited into internal rotation. So if you're a right-handed golfer, when you're going into your backswing, your trail leg is going into hip internal rotation, right? So anything that we can do to improve that. Um, so a lot of times it's, uh, this is going to be hard to explain on a podcast, but um, if you could get into um, what I call like a 90-90 hip position, so like you're sitting on the floor, and you're making a perpendicular line with your hip or your thigh from your hip, and then your knee is making a 90 degree angle, and you do that with both legs, basically. So it kind of looks like you're making a box, basically. And what you can do is you can start to lean back into your, whichever leg is kind of behind you, essentially, and that will start to stretch more into internal rotation. Another really simple one that people can do at their desk it's not as good of a stretch, but basically if you're just sitting up nice and tall, you take one leg out to the side. So like the inside of your foot is on the ground 
and it looks like your knee is going in towards the middle of your body, you can kind of just push that down even further and that's hip internal rotation. It's not the greatest stretch in the world, but it's at least something to get started working on. The mid back is a little bit easier. If you have a foam roller, I mean, anything that you can do, even just a pool noodle will do. You can just lay that down on the ground and just kind of bend backwards over that throughout the middle of your back. Even if you don't have a foam roller, you can just work on um, sitting in a chair, especially if it has uh, armrests. Just work on that and just start to rotate, basically. And take really nice deep breaths while you're doing this. Most of the time, it's going to take some time to do this. Um, I would say you're going to have to do a few reps towards each direction and probably holding at least 20 to 30 seconds. Um, now, that would be more of a stretch. And stretching is great, but it's not going to be able to maintain that. So then you want to follow that up with some active exercise. So like um, after you're done doing hip internal rotation, the most simplest thing that you could do um, without knowing anyone's kind of case right now, they can lie on their side, have their knees stacked on top of each other, have them slightly bent, and then you're going to keep your knees together and then you're going to rotate your foot, your top foot up towards the ceiling that will cause that hip to go into internal rotation on the top there. Um, and you're going to, go against gravity. So that's going to be an active exercise. And then same thing, after you've just, just did some sitting in the chair, let's say you did the rotation for your mid back, I would just work on rotating as far as you can and holding that there. Um, again, that's going to be an active thing. And you're just trying to teach your brain to show that you can get into that motion. Now, when you do this, you know, end over end over end, you're going to start to notice some changes. But when you go back and do it tomorrow, you're going to feel like you're starting back in the same place. And that's totally normal. But again, it's going to take at least two to three weeks to probably start to see some changes. But after you start to do that, and again, you do it for a few weeks at a time to two months to three months, you're going to start to notice some big changes. And so the clients that you're seeing and reaching out to online, are, they, are you finding that um, they don't really have a warm-up routine when they you know, go practice or you know, use the driving range? Do they you know, where, where are you finding that they have a lot of uh, immobilities and, and um, you know, what, what, what areas are you focused on with them? Yeah, I would say a majority of people that I come across don't have a good warm-up routine. They normally think that taking a few clubs out at the same time and swing them is really good. Um, then they just do a few kind of rotations back and forth and swing the club and that's their warm-up routine. Um, that's usually not the best way to go about it. In fact, uh, taking a few clubs out at once and swinging them at the same time will actually slow you down because um, you're teaching your body to move slower um, where you should be working on just moving faster. I always think about just having a good warm-up routine in terms of you're going to look like one of those people that you don't want to look like on the range, but you know, doing some squats or some lunges, um, just really starting to warm up those muscles that you're going to be using on the golf course is kind of really key to get you primed and ready to go for your round. Um, but most people, I would say majority of people either lack mobility and, um, they're either not doing the right things in the gym and not necessarily that they're doing the wrong things, but they're also not loading themselves to do enough weight. So, you know, if you're doing some squats with 20 pounds in each hand, that might be enough for you. It all depends on the person, but for the golf swing, it's a quick and powerful swing. You need to really load yourself up. So if you're doing squats with 40 pounds and you can do 15 reps, 
you're wasting a lot of time. You need to load it up pretty heavy and you need to only do, you know, you need to max out at about five to six reps. Now everyone's a little bit different and that's going to be changing and it all kind of just depends on lots of different factors, um, including like your training age, kind of how long you've been training, any kind of past injuries, all these things, what you have access to. But um, a lot of times people think that you're training more like a bodybuilder I tend to find and they're stuck in that whole three sets of 10, three sets of 15. Let's do this. But you really need to actually make it super heavy because the golf swing is quick and powerful. It takes probably no more than two seconds. And for you to do that and train that in the gym, most people aren't doing those kinds of things. And um, that's probably where most people really need to focus on is just building their strength base and their mobility. That's where they'll get the most bang for their buck. Then once they have that, they can start to get into some more of that sexy stuff that everyone talks about, like super speed and overspeed training and stuff like that. Should you be focusing more on like the big lifts, like squats and deadlifts and bench press versus trying to focus more on isolated movements? I mean, I, you all probably know I have massive biceps and it's, it's all because of the curls, but um, that really doesn't help the golf swing whatsoever. And we should be really taking our time, focus on kind of those three big things, right? For the most part. Yeah. I would say you're going to get the most bang for your buck with compound lifts and a compound lift is where you're working multiple muscles at once. Kind of like what you just alluded to Zach, like the deadlift squats, bench press, overhead press, things like that are all compound movements. Whereas an isolated movement like uh, a dumbbell curl or like a seated knee extension those are great and there's nothing wrong with doing those, but you shouldn't spend a lot of your time on that because ultimately that's not one, how the body works. Um, but if you have goals of getting bigger biceps or bigger quads, like there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But if your main goal is to improve your golf performance, you're going to have better time spent doing squats, deadlifts, bench press, overhead press, those kinds of things where you're working multiple, multiple movements at once. And that's where and how the body works all together. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where you should focus. And if people are afraid to do squats or deadlifts, there's always alternatives and different ways to do things. Um, so you don't always have to do, say, that major lift that you might be afraid of or you're nervous of. Um, there's always ways to get around that. So TPI Joe, I reach out to you. I want to meet up in person or online and go through the process of, uh, I guess, getting my body right and um, addressing some areas that I feel like are a little tight and hindering my golf swing. So talk me through that process. What's your sort of, um, I guess, evaluation? Yeah. So first I'll just, you know, have a general chat with the person about kind of what their golf and fitness goals are. Um, if they've had any aches or pains or things that are bothering them or past injuries that I should be aware of, or even past surgeries that I should be aware of. And then kind of, again, just try to figure out what their goals are in terms of golf, essentially, indoor fitness, whether that's they want more distance, they want to be more consistent, they want to feel more loose, um, they would just want to be able to swing with less effort, um, or maybe they want to lose weight, put on some muscle, either of those things. So I take all that into account. Um, if I'm working with you online, I'll give you a few tests to do on your own. Um, we're going to look at some power tests, which include a seated chest pass. Uh, like a shot put throw to look at lower body rotational power and vertical jump. Those are all just power tests looking at, you know, lower body power, upper body power, and then lower body rotational power. 
And then I usually try to get them to do their swing speed um, if I can get an idea of where that is. Um, so I'll have them do 10 swings and then I take the two highest and two lowest and throw those out and average all of those. And then um, if I'm again working with you online, I'll go through a whole kind of movement assessment with you face-to-face -face on Zoom, FaceTime, whatever it may be. We go through different movements to kind of look at some mobility and stability of all the parts of the body that I would you know, deem necessary. And then from there, just I would write up your program based on what I see um, in terms of the evaluation. So if you're lacking mobility, we'll definitely be programming that in. We'll work on some stability things. And then based on where you are in terms of your power numbers, um, go from there. And like I said, everything's customized to you and what your goals are and kind of where you're at and what I think would be you know, best for you. But I also include the person as well in terms of trying to figure out what they have access to, what kinds of equipment, do they go to a gym, do they have stuff at home, um, how much time are they actually willing to dedicate to working out. Like I'm not going to give someone five workouts in a week if they can only, you know, spend 30 minutes three times a week working out. I'm going to try to maximize their time as best as possible um, with all of those things. Now that, uh, now that the season's starting to get towards the end of it, we're, uh, I mean, for us, we're closed. So, you know, now we're looking at off season. Uh, so is off season training a little bit different than in season training and what should we be looking for if we want to get going in the off season and really ramp up our fitness? Yeah. So off season is slightly different than in season in season. I would say you're obviously spending a lot more time either at the range or just on the golf course and you're playing rounds. Um, with that, I would probably, depending again on your availability and time that you can dedicate to working out, I would reduce the amount of workouts that you're doing um, to, you know, two to three times a week. And we can talk about how to, you know, schedule those appropriately, depending on when your rounds are, if you know those ahead of time. Um, and basically, we're just trying to maintain as much strength and power throughout the season as possible. So you may go a little bit heavier, but the overall volume of your workouts may be less. So you may be doing less sets and reps, but you're probably still going to be lifting relatively heavy based on, you know, your own numbers. Um, but we wouldn't want to gas you out basically throughout the season, essentially, because I don't want you feeling sore or stiff or anything along those lines after a workout. I want you to be able to go out onto the golf course and play your best round um, as best as you can. Now in off season, I would say if you are dealing with any aches or pains, this is the best time to one, go take care of those because you, you're not, you know, you're not really able to go out onto the course and, you know, spend a lot of time there. So now's the time to really take care of any aches or pains. And then from there, we'll go into um, just building what you need. Again, mobility, strength, power. And now if you're able to dedicate to it, I would probably say four to five workouts a week. Again, based on what you need, generally the first month or so, if you got to take care of any aches or pains, I would definitely recommend doing that. Um, but the first month, I would probably say would be a little bit lighter, just kind of like a general adaptation phase to get you more used to working out again and just kind of letting your body recover a little bit more from the season. And then from there, we're going to start to ramp up into just building a lot of strength and some power. And from there, just keep going. Essentially, it's not going to be anything super sexy. I don't think, I mean, you're going to be doing somewhat of the same general exercises. If people want to mix it up, I try as best as I can to do that so they can have some variety. Um, but 
the main lifts are the main lifts for a reason. They've been around for a long time and they've been working for a reason. Um, there's no reason to kind of, as far as I'm concerned, to, to go off the, the trail and try some of these other super sexy things that you might see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever that other guys are doing, other guys or gals, because um, that's just what sells on, on Instagram and Facebook. And we don't know everything else that they're doing in the background. And then once the season starts to approach, um, hopefully we build up a good strength base and power base. Then we're going to start to taper down a little bit more on the strength and really start to increase kind of your nervous system by working on some more speed and power drills to kind of get you ready for the season for the most part, and then go from there. Um, the biggest thing that I always tell people is I look at the off season as filling your, your bucket basically. So throughout the season, you have a bucket and you have a hole in your bucket. And if you can fill your bucket in the off season to its maximum point, you're going to have as much possible strength and power throughout the season to lose, you know, slowly. But if you only fill it halfway through the off season, you're going to have a lot less to work with and you're going to be losing a lot more during the season. So Joe, let's get into kind of the hot topic right now with Bryson. I know we brought him up earlier, but so you see what he's doing and, I know it's probably inspiring for, especially like a lot of young kids are like seeing, geez, I'm going to have to start swinging really fast now. And not that it wasn't that way before. I've always thought that speed is important. Um, you know, I, I look at what he did at winged foot and yeah, it was really impressive, but he also was like tied for second around the greens and not many people mentioned this. He wasn't even leading in driving distance. So now, granted, his carry is probably pretty much the farthest, I would guess, based on the trajectory he's hitting it at the launch. He's just not getting as much roll when he hits the fairway. But um, what he's done to his body is impressive. And certainly when he is on, there might not be a more dominating player in the game right now. So with what he's done – it looks like he's used muscle activation techniques. I don't know if you've looked into their uh, Greg Roscoff and what he's done with him and activating one muscle at a time. Um, do we need to go to this extreme though? Like for the average golfer? Definitely not. Um, for the average golfer, no, not at all. Um, the muscle activation technique with um, Greg is just a, a technique basically i mean it's just working on trying to improve from my from my knowledge I, I only looked into it a little bit what i can find online and it's basically just working on trying to improve you know strength at end ranges and it's really it's really not all that different or sexy of what someone may or may not do in, in a strength training program especially like super individualized for him um it's just super you know i mean there's one video I think of him working on overhead strength where Greg has him pushing into his hand while he's lying down. And then he's, you know, on the machine doing all these different things. He's just working on strength in those ranges there. Um, but for the average golfer, that's not something that you need to spend a lot of time on. Um, we don't know all the things that Bryson is doing, obviously. Um, he doesn't broadcast it all completely. Um, we do know that he's, um, doing more isolation exercise, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I do think, again, isolation exercises have their, their benefit and their time and their place. Um, but again, he's 
professional golfer. He has the time to do this. He can work out, um, for those guys and gals like us who don't have time, nor do we get paid to work out. Um, we don't have, you know, an hour and a half to spend in the gym. Um, so you're going to get your most bang from your buck. Like I said, from compound exercises. Um, now do you need to bulk like Bryson? Again, that's kind of really up to you. Is it going to help your golf game? Maybe a little bit. Um, but not necessarily. I mean, let's look at Cameron Champ, right? He's also one of the longest drivers on tour and he's like six foot and weighs 170. I mean, he's a pretty small dude, but he can pack a punch. He knows how to use his body, right? And can generate a lot of force from the ground. Um, so we don't necessarily need to do what Bryson's doing. I think he's found a process that he enjoys and that he likes and it's working for him. And um, that process isn't going to work for everybody. I'll be interested to see kind of what what he's like and his body's like in like five years from, from now and see how, how he feels about his process. Yeah. Um, so basically what you're saying is I shouldn't be just slamming down protein shakes and expect to see a, a big increase. Um, so do you think, uh, do you think this trend is going to continue on tour? I mean, I know Rory was talking about how he's going to jump in there. Um, do you think that's the way that golf's going now is to try and get as much speed as possible? Or do you think we're going to kind of start seeing this thing kind of level off and we're going to get to certain limits? Um, I think it's still going to go there for the most part. I mean, it's been happening for some time now, kind of like what Henry alluded to. It's been going on for some time, but Bryson's definitely popularized it. And just based on the fact that he's doing something different than everyone else is, and now that he's, you know, quote unquote, being dominant in the sport for the most part, but most people aren't talking about like what Henry talked about, how he's really good at putting. Uh, I think he's made like 92% of his putts within 10 feet, something crazy. Insane. Right? I mean, that's absurd. Um, and he was like second in terms of like his short game and iron approaches at Wingfoot, right? I mean, those are things that people aren't talking about, but everyone's it's been proven and shown in terms of stats, like your distance, driving distance off the tee relates to you and how much money you're going to make on tour, right? So everyone's starting to hop on the bandwagon. I don't blame them. I mean, if, they're, if you're not going to join right now, you're probably going to fall behind. Um, but that's not always the case, though. I mean, Bryson didn't win a couple of weeks ago at um, Shriners, right? But, um, you know, that happens. Right. Things don't go your way. The game is just not about driving and speed for the most part. It's going to help you along the way, right? But um, I think continuing to get fit and just working on your body and golf performance is going to continue to grow for the most part. I mean, again, Tiger popularized it a long time ago. And all of these young guys that we see on tour now are are fit and actual athletes. I mean, looked at Victor Hovland and look at, um, gosh, Morikawa, right? I mean, these guys are fit, they're working out, they're treating their body like an actual athlete. Whereas, you know, guys 20, 30 years ago, didn't, most, most guys didn't do that a long time ago. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's interesting too, because in the shot link era, I think it's changed a little bit as well. And when you have strokes gained now that tells you that if you hit it farther and even a little more crooked, it still gives you more strokes gained. So I think the players are going to go where the stats go, where they tell them to go, right? So if they know that, well, if I hit it far, if I have a, 
a good angle of descent into firm, fast, small greens, then I don't need to hit these low spinny shots. I can come in with a wedge out of the rough and my strokes gain is going to be higher than some guy back there in the fairway with a seven iron. And then if I'm a good putter, I can win. So um, I think the stats are going to push them more to get in the gym, gain more speed. But I think it goes to your point too, like be a little bit careful in that process because a lot of these guys on tour that have speed, they developed that when they were 12 years old or 10 years old. I mean, look at Tiger in the nineties and 2000, like he wasn't that big. He was like, what, 165 pounds or something like that. And, you know, I mean, the speed is developed at a young age and, and Bryson always had it, but you know, I think when he put on a little mass and put a little more attention on swinging fast, which by the way, golf instruction hasn't always pushed. They said, grip it easy, swing easy, baby. Well, that's come out to be not really true because they've found that if you swing at a, you know, a high clip, high tempo, you actually take out a lot of doubt and you actually a lot of times find the center of the club face more often. And oh, by the way, your club speed. So I think the game has evolved a little bit from a coaching standpoint, statistics standpoint, and then you add in the training, which has always kind of been there, but now it's um, players are just getting better at, at, at understanding the stats and finding the center of the face and all those things that help create more ball speed. Yeah, I would say most most golfers that I know of, including myself, I mean, we're all, you know, for the most part into the numbers and we like to track a lot of stuff, right? I mean, most golfers want to get better. I haven't really met most golfers that don't for the most part. <laughs> um, and we're all tracking things, right? Whatever that may be. And I think the more and more stats come out, the more there's more things for us to try to figure out. And, um, you know, I think it's just going to keep going that way. So one more question before we, uh, we wrap this up, um, expectations. So, you know, I see it a lot. We have these guys, people come up for lessons and they expect to just drop significant amount of shots in an hour and not really, you know, apply anything. But, you know, let's say a beginner wants to get into the off season and really focus on their fitness. You know, what's, what's a good expectation for them, you know, coming out of the off season, let's say they, you know, apply the, um, the plan that you, you and uh, your client have put into place, you know, what could they see as a result when they do start back up in the springtime? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that they will be feeling more loose and have more mobility without a doubt. I would say most mobility restrictions or limitations tend to end up resolving in eight to 10 weeks. It all just, again, kind of depends. But on top of that, I think the big sexy thing that most people would like to hear is probably, I think you could, most people could easily get, you know, another 10 to 20 yards within 10 to 12 weeks of, you know, consistent work and dedication to uh, a workout program that is only, you know, three to five times a week at no more than an hour at a clip. So an extra five hours a week to add on another, you know, 10 to 20 yards um, on all of your shots, I think is totally worth it. So Joe, we like to wrap things up with a little section we call the wicked fire round. Um, so I'll just get right into it. Your favorite course that you've played in Maine so far. 
Um, so far, I'd probably, I think the foliage has something to do with this, but I just played at Christian <laughs> Highlands this past weekend and it was, it was pretty beautiful. I, I liked the track. It wasn't, uh, it's not super long, but it has a good amount of variation. And again, I, the views, the foliage was awesome. I hear it's in pretty good shape. Yeah, it was, it was, it was in great shape. Really. The greens were something to read. That was for sure. Awesome. Uh, if I, uh, set you up with a plane to go anywhere in the world and shadow any PT, TPI trainer of your choice, who would it be? Man, um, anyone, I'm probably going to have to go, might as well go with, um, Greg Rose, TPI. I mean, awesome. Where's he located? They're out in Oceanside, California. Okay. And then how about your, uh, your sort of golfing idol? I know you're relatively new to the game, but who would that be? Well, I mean, Tiger's always, Tiger's always been, uh, up there. I think right now I'd probably have to go with Rory. He's just a likable guy. His swing is awesome. I mean, who doesn't want to swing like Rory? Yeah, for sure. All right. How about one more too? Uh, you know, you've been in Maine for a little while now. What's, uh, I know you're not really able to eat in many restaurants, but maybe the best takeout you've had so far. Best takeout. Oh man. Um, I am a big fan of uh, Bailey's lobster house or lobster pound down here. They're right in Pine point. They make a pretty good uh, lobster roll. Can't go wrong there. Nice. Well, Joe, we, uh, we thank you for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Now on. It- yeah, absolutely. Now for our listeners, they want to, let's say they want to meet up with you and, you know, gain a little insight as to what they can do in the off season and, and get started here. Where do they, uh, where do they go? How do they reach out to you? Uh, probably the easiest place would be email, which is just Joe, J O E at pure And, uh, other than that, I mean, I'm on Facebook with pure drive physio and performance on Instagram, pure drive underscore golf physio. Um, I'm on Twitter too, but I don't really use that. Um, but yeah, email is probably the easiest thing and we can figure something out from there. And like I said, I'm, I'm close to working out of a few gyms, hopefully in the next month or so. So people can actually see me in person at a physical location. Awesome. Well, here we go with uh, TPI Joe. That's what I'm going to call you. Uh, okay. thanks for, thanks for coming on and, uh, welcome to the state of Maine. And we hope our our listeners got a little insight in what to the, what they can do in the off season. And um, I think it was uh, a lot of valuable information we got out of, out of this call. Thanks guys. Glad I could help. All right. Thanks Joe. And this has been another episode of Maine golf talk. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, we appreciate any um, comments and ratings you can offer. So thanks again. Mm-hmm.